It's a him. It's a Mario. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Hello out there in podcast land. Thank you for tuning in to your favorite podcast, uh, my favorite podcast, the best podcast in all of higher education. That would be the award-winning Hashtag Getting, brought to you by the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering's Office of Communications and Marketing, which I serve as a communications and marketing specialist. Uh, I'm led by the intrepid Bills fan, the biggest Buffalo Bills fan in the South, uh, possibly the country, for all I know, uh, Austin Phillips, the director of the aforementioned Office of Communications and Marketing. Let's go, Buffalo. Oh, my gosh. You know that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Play shout whenever you score. And then this you is so weird. Do you, do you follow Auburn at all? Gone, why would why you? Why would no. you? Eagle. Uh, John Sluice over here on Keys. Uh, twisting the knobs and uh, breaking hearts, as always. John Sluice, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Today we're joined by a very special guest, a man who in 2002 came to a little town called Auburn, Alabama, as a visiting lecturer at the uh, Samuel Ginn College. No, it wasn't Samuel Ginn at the time, was it? No, it was. Mm-mm. No, 2001? Yeah. 2001. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 2001 was the gift. Yeah. Yep. And now is You've leading done your research. The college. Well, I just, I don't know why that year I tell sticks you, we out get the me. We get the big hitters in here yeah, and you, you do the homework. <laughs> well, I took a picture of a LinkedIn page. Okay. Now, what I noticed about our guest's LinkedIn page is that it's not up to date mm. because we got the 2002 visiting lecturer listed. We don't have the 2023. The present is slightly <laughs> inaccurate. Well, but. Oh, well, unless you were counting. Are, say, you, are you waiting? Today will be the day. Today will be the Okay, well, today's so, the day. Yeah. So then you just make sure you update the By LinkedIn profile. By the time profile. people hear this, okay. it will be up. Yes, Dr. Mario Eden Hey-o. will be installed in the office. Have you moved in yet? Have we moved no. in boxes yet? No. Still, Steve's yeah, still he hanging was gonna, on. Yeah, he was going to ask you about that whenever yeah. uh, he said he needed a little help. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know Steve's pretty clingy. Uh, he's gonna be taking. He's gonna be. You have to drag him out of there. Eleven fifty nine on the fourteenth. Right, Steve. Yeah. cold dead hands. Mm-hmm. Right there, that's right. how. It, that's how it seems. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Mario Eden, newly uh, selected dean of the uh, the college, is joining us. The fourteenth, only the fourteenth dean that we've had here in the college. One hundred and fifty years. Well, I think that speaks to something. We'll find out what that might be. Yep. Uh, as we move on but uh yeah the 14th dean number 14 have you gotten anything like uh like i don't know something embroidered <laughs> like the 14 or because we did the installation we of can't the, see uh, the gold chain he has on our yeah, the tie the right now that has a 14 yeah like the uh what would the roman numeral be uh that'd be x1 x1v x1v yeah. that'd be yeah i think we want to stay away from roman numerals around here these days <laughs> Uh oh. Yeah, bad bad memories. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, an X one X last time. Yeah, oh, we want to stop there. Stop that. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. Only took three, four years. 
That's cool. No, it, I'm just. Well, he had a good I line. Can't. I said, "You can't avoid us any longer." And he said, "Yeah, I could have." <laughs> and I, <laughs> I joke about now. it. It's only been it was only one or two requests, and I'm sure all the reasons you couldn't be here were extremely valid and had nothing to do with just not wanting to <laughs> do the deal with, deal <laughs> deal with this. They were, I'm sure, they were valid. But uh, no, thanks a ton for joining us, and congrats. Yes, thank you. How's it feel? Feels great. I'm excited. I'm certainly grateful and humbled by the selection, but I'm excited. Uh, I didn't expect it to be four weeks from uh, the announcement, but you know, you don't turn the provost down. So let's go. All right. Rock and roll. That's awesome. That's awesome. Have, have you, has your phone finally calmed down from the congratulatory messages? Somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> There's still some trickling in. I just found some this morning on LinkedIn that were on a different page than what I had been scouring. So there are some folks that had to wait a week plus to get a acknowledgement. So I uh, feel bad about that. Well, like I told Dr. Roberts when he went to take the presidency, just enjoy the honeymoon right now because it won't always be there. <laughs> yeah, it's about to be hell. Yeah. Uh, right. As I, I told him, I said, football season's coming. <laughs> right. At least we don't have to worry about that. Uh, but are the, I mean, are the folks in Ross, are they like looking at you differently, treating you a little differently now? Uh, they're getting all their pent up frustrations out on me the last couple of weeks. Uh, no, they're they're being sweet about it. They held a, a little celebration last week that was very very oh, sweet good. and touching. So because I guess we needed to. I don't know if I said it earlier. Yeah, you were the uh, the chair of the uh, Department of Chemical Engineering. Uh, low these many how many years? Almost eleven. Eleven years as the chair. So you're gonna miss that. You're gonna miss being in the, you know, in the saddle in the trenches. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, clearly there are pros and cons to both jobs. In the department chair position, you're mainly in tactical response mode most of the time. And uh, I've enjoyed that, particularly because you get a chance to do something on a one-on-one basis, along with doing something for all the students in the department. But you have an opportunity to reach down and, and really help an individual student if they're struggling with something. But you don't get a chance to do very much strategic work because you're always in that, you know, response mode. And so that's one aspect of the dean's job that's extremely attractive is being able to think some bigger dreams and and go after some bigger game because you're not directly responsible down to the individual student level. So that's exciting. And I, I look forward to basically being able to do what I've done for 500 students in Kimmy for 5,000 students in the college. Well, and we've heard from Dr. Roberts and Dr. Taylor just how beneficial being able to serve on the floor level, on the ground level, where the students are of being a department chair and being able to affect change uh, of just how advantageous that was. So great experience. And something must be in the water up there in in Ross, too. So some chemicals. It's just breeding leadership. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, are you going to give out your your number to everybody? You want to go ahead and throw it out there on the podcast? You talked my, about my, your cell, my cell phone number. I was I was very impressed with that during your presentation. No, you don't have to. It's uh, in my email. It's signature. on the email. It's in the right. email signature. It'll, still, it'll stay there. It's so. going to stay there. I mean, do you still? Are you getting calls? Yeah, from you. You get calls. Well, I get a lot of crank calls too. Um, but because I don't have every student in my address book. I answer every call that I get, and some of them are, you know, spam calls. Do we have any okay. good stories? Any good calls? No, mm, not really. No. I mean, I usually get offered the standard twenty six thousand refund at the moment. That's a that's a or good your, one. Or your car warranty mm. says expiring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my office number, the last four digits, two numbers are just reversed a FOI. Mm. So you can only imagine the after a weekend. Sometimes the messages I have and sure. questions I have that. 
are not appropriate for anywhere to repeat. <laughs> but but uh, no, that's nice. I mean, going back to Jeremy's question, I think it's important for the students to know that they can reach me, not just the students, but anybody, you know, whenever students travel for a conference or something, they know they can always get a hold of me if they need something. That's the virtual version of an open doors that they have my cell phone. And it's the only phone I have. So it's not like I carry a business phone and a personal phone. It's just, it's the same number my mom calls. So sure. I mean, does it, what does the wife, I mean, she okay with that with like, I have I mean, it on constant. silent. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was wondering how it worked. Well, I, we we got to get the background. Uh, so you come from a little further away than Auburn. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in a small town called Genna in Denmark. So a town of 600 people. And, and where did you go to school? I went to college at the Technical University of Denmark, which is in one of the suburbs of Copenhagen. So they ostracized the engineers to a separate campus back in the 70s. So it's all engineers. That's all there is. Why engineering? Just lucky, I guess. I, uh, I took a trip in high school chemistry to Copenhagen and we visited the Technical University and I just I really fell in love with the idea of solving problems, uh, applying science and mathematics to addressing real things. And uh, I didn't know in high school that that was engineering, but that really just resonated with me. How did the United States opportunity come about? Again, very fortunate. I was finishing up my master's and running an experiment in the uh, distillation column control room at my old department. And uh, there was an issue of chemical engineering progress that came out. And on the cover was a story written by an Auburn faculty member, Mahmoud Hawagi, called Solving the Mass Integration Puzzle. And my master's advisor handed it to me and said, this is what you should be doing for your PhD. And I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And that was basically it. But I had no other connection to Auburn except him. And uh, then the Danish PhD system encourages you to spend at least six months somewhere else, whether with a company or another school. And I wanted to spend them here uh, with him. And so that that worked out. I spent nine months here in 2001 doing a significant portion of my graduate work here. That was my connection to Auburn. And then I, I went home in November of 2001, figuring that was kind of the end of my Auburn connection, apart from when I was stateside. But then Five months later, Dr. Hawagi announced that he was going to Texas A&M and uh, they needed someone to teach his classes. And so I came back as a visiting instructor to teach the senior design sequence for two semesters. And uh, again, I didn't plan on staying. In Denmark, there's really only one department that graduates chem East, which was the one I was getting my PhD in. And so I didn't think that that was an opportunity for me as a, to take a faculty career. But uh, while I was here, they uh, were very persuasive and got me to apply for the tenure track job and they offered it to me and I went back to Denmark, spent six months writing my dissertation and then moved back January of 2004 and I've been here ever since. So, so 20 years ago, if, if we sat you down with you now, mm -hmm. I mean, what would you think? Oh, I, I mean, 20 years ago, I was just worrying about, am I going to be able to make tenure, right? I mean, that's the first kind of hurdle. So I didn't buy a house immediately because uh, I didn't want to be stuck with that if I didn't make tenure. Because of the, the way that the U.S. does credit ratings, I actually couldn't get a cell phone for the first two years, so I was actually on Dr. Robert's family plan. <laughs> <laughs> I paid I paid my own bill, but, you know, that was just how that worked. How about that? that is so great. was he, I mean, was he a cool guy back then? Was he all right? He was all right. And what was your first impression <laughs> of that guy? My first impression of him was actually driving back from a graduate recruiting event that he asked me to cover Dr. Hawagi's group. And we went to 
Provino's at the time for dinner. And on the way back, this was when the university still had a motor pool. So he had borrowed a minivan from the motor pool and we were taking the students back to the hotel. And so we're sitting in the front seat talking. And uh, I had rented a furnished apartment, which means something very different in the U.S. than it does in Europe. And so since I was only going to be here for nine months and never planned on staying, I didn't want to spend a lot of money on cups and plates and forks and whatever. And uh, so we're, we're sitting there talking and he's like, well, Tracy and I got married a couple of years ago. And so we got double of everything. Why don't you, you know, come over and we'll, we'll hook you up. And so uh, between him and, and a fellow uh, friend, Scott, they kind of took care of me. So we just kind of bonded very quickly. And then we spent a lot of time talking about music. And when the time came along to apply for the tenure track job a year later, we basically sat at his house and worked on my application for the faculty position and his as department chair. So we sat around and dreamt big uh, 20 years ago, which was a lot of fun. We've done most of the things that we dreamt we were going to do. So that's a lot of fun. Well, that's wild. To come over here off of an article and then, like you said, no plans to stay. And here we are 20 years later and you're here and you're in a leadership role. What is so special about this place to bring you in and then to keep you here. It's the people, no question about it. When I was here as a student, as a visiting student, and I would talk to my fellow classmates that were stationed elsewhere, some of them even in the US, and were not having anywhere near the experience that I had. And they thought I was wildly exaggerating. And so when I came back as an instructor for those two semesters, one of my friends, close friends from grad school, he had to spend a couple of weeks in upstate New York. And he came down for a weekend and you know, after two days, he was like, all right, you weren't kidding. This is insane. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard not to fall in love with the place. My mom was not a big fan of me staying, obviously, but it worked out that she was here when uh, Dr. Roberts was able to offer me the tenure track position. And at that point, after spending a week here, she was like, all right, I get it now. So she's been very excited. She still every now and again will send me a job prospect for a, some kind of engineering <laughs> job in, in the little town where she is. But, you know, she knows I'm, I'm kind of set here. So. Well, and you've had opportunities to leave here and take on other leadership roles at other places. So why this opportunity and why now? I mean, it's the only one I wanted. You know, I, I didn't respond to any of the other calls just because I had no intention of leaving. This this is where I've invested 20 years of my life. I've lived here longer than I lived in my childhood home. And I've got too much of myself invested here. There are things I can point to saying, okay, I had a hand in helping with that, or I put a fingerprint on that, or I helped move this forward. I would be trading off all the connections and all the relationships that I have here for a title somewhere else. And there's no way of knowing if I would regain those friendships and, and collaborative opportunities. And it just wasn't worth it for me. So I was very happy when, you know, Dr. Roberts was selected for president and this opportunity came open. But I would have been just as happy staying as department chair if he had stayed as dean. You know, any opportunity to help support the college and, and the university, you know, I've got all of my professional life invested here. So I, I, I wouldn't want to trade that for anything. You know, you, you talk about dreaming big. Dr. Benefield really started dreaming big and really started changing the way we do things, Ch just really changing Auburn engineering, period. Sure. Dr. Roberts continued that. We certainly in the last five, 10 years, we're dreaming big and doing big things, bold things. Um, we are uniquely positioned right now with, uh, I almost want to say institutional knowledge, but uh, Dr. Roberts ascending to the presidency, you coming over from chemical, 
Dr. Taylor being in the role that he has this past year and doing what we've been able to do of research, Dr. David stepping in as acting. I just feel like we are uniquely positioned right now, uh, especially in line with the university, to do bigger and better things. Uh, just talk about the way, the opportunity you see ahead of us. I mean, it's it's tremendous. The timing couldn't be better either. Uh, the university is going to start their strategic planning in the fall. When you look at the goals that President Roberts laid out in his installation speech, for him to be successful in achieving those goals, he's going to need engineering. So we have to be ready to be part of that discussion as he formulates the strategic plan, make sure that we align our strategic goals to support those. And it's a tremendous opportunity. We're looking at doubling our research expenditures in the college in order to support the university's goal. And we have the capacity for doing so. We've done it once already, actually more than doubled. And we can see the effect of the new faculty that we've hired, the energy that those folks are bringing, our senior faculty that are showing significant leadership and going after big game. We need to continue to nurture that. We need to continue hiring, bring in more talent. We can do this. I have no doubt about that. The The opportunities are uh, just huge and we are well positioned. We have all the infrastructure in place to be successful. We made the right investments over the last 20 plus years. We have great facilities. We have great people. We've got great students and we got great ideas. So all we have to do is is keep pushing those different vectors forward and we're going to see some significant success. Talk about Dr. Roberts' uh, vision for like a salary increase for communications and marketing. Uh, I, think I know that was something he, as he left, yeah, he, he, he said he, he yeah, wanted he, his and successor. Steve kept, for some reason, Steve passed it down and said, I'll let Mario handle that. Sure. So. Well, that's one of the few things I guess he's leaving for me because he kept <laughs> he keeps saying, I'm spending all the money before I, I leave. So. <laughs> I don't know. I just check on that. But well, I'll call you. Something, <laughs> uh, something also that you're passionate about is making sure that we have a diverse and inclusive environment. In chemical engineering, we've recently had, I believe at one time, the most tenured full professor female of any chemical engineering department in the nation. Percentage-wise, Percentage yes. We were, we were tied with Georgia Tech for absolute numbers. What school is that? As one of those trade schools okay, up, yeah, up the street. Yeah. Somebody uh, but they had they had many more male professors than we did. Right, so right. both had five female full professors, but we had you know a total of eight full professors. So we were more than half of the full professors at the time were were women, and four of the five spent their entire careers with us. So they started as assistant professors and were promoted all the way up to full. That is something we're very proud of. One of my favorite quotes has always been that culture will eat strategy for breakfast. And it is a key component of how do we recruit people is to show them that we have a a supportive and nurturing culture where people can be successful. It's hard when a candidate looks at us and says, I don't see anyone like me or someone that's like me that's been successful. That's a challenge. And so obviously the first one is always the bigger challenge. And then it gets, quote unquote, easier after that. But we've done a good job of making sure that our faculty and our students are supported. They know that we're there to see them succeed. We want to see them succeed. That's a cultural thing. That's something that we need to make sure that we get that story out. That's hard to do in print or video. That's something you feel. And so we need to get candidates to come visit. That's usually the big selling point on anyone, whether it's an undergraduate, a graduate student, or a faculty member. We recruit probably, what, 25% success rate on paper? But that number is 75 or higher if we get them to come here and see what it is that we do and how we do it. And we need to make sure that 
we tell that story repeatedly because that's how we're going to get the best candidates, the best talent, and make sure that they stay with us too. I love that quote. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. Like, that, that's going up in the office. At least a t-shirt or something. <laughs> like, just, I, I mean, just literally, face. I mean, as, as you're saying it, now, don't get me wrong. We're, we're strategic as we can be, yeah. but that that's something I 100% believe in. And, and I would hope that these two guys would say the same, that, you know, our, our office is a culture of, of fun, but we have a lot of fun because we believe in what we do. So it's yeah. important because, you know, strategy is all is by definition kind of responsive, whereas culture is much more pervasive. And that's where you can do things that can overcome strategy or strategic errors or missteps if the culture is right. And culture is the one thing that we can control and set the tone for. And the Auburn family is a construct that fits that and something that is hard to sell on paper, but it's very tangible and real once you're here. Apparently, every, every guest we bring in talks about it. Everyone. Every student. I mean, everyone. They, they've never heard of Auburn. They step on, you know, and apparently it extends overseas as it well. It does. Around International. The world, around the world. Well, Jeremy mentioned about the phone number on your email, but for a student, for a faculty member that you, you're not real tight with, that you, you don't know as well than your counterparts in chemical, your staff that you may not have interacted with, what do you want them to take away from this podcast about you? What, what are we getting in Dr. Mario Eden as a leader? It, it sounds kind of trite, but I do firmly believe in servant leadership. I mean, my job is to make sure that everyone has the greatest opportunity to serve the college the best they can. That is what a servant leader is supposed to do is make the team be the best that they can be. So anyone that I don't know well, I do want to know. I'd like to think I know most people in the college already, not necessarily all the students, but certainly the faculty and staff. But I want to learn everybody, what they do, what their goals are, what their dreams are, what it is that they want to be the best at. Because as we've heard many times, people don't want to do what they don't want to do. And we need to make sure that everyone is you know, doing what they're actually passionate about and making sure that that aligns with the goals of the of the college and the only way for me to advocate for faculty staff and students is to really know what everyone is passionate about what they're doing so i want to learn about everybody i mean there's only 200 faculty and you know 100 some staff i've got 500 undergrads in in chemi and 100 grad students and 30 some people i can learn enough to be dangerous for sure. Dang. Well, whenever, like uh, that. when this announcement was made, I got to, I was talking with my dad and, uh, he said, well, do you know the new Dean? And I said, do you remember two years ago when we were sitting at a tailgate and I introduced you to a guy and I told you he was going to be the next Dean? He said, yes. He, I said, that's the guy, Dr. Eden. I'm just, I'm excited to be a part of it. Our whole office is excited to be a part of it. And, um, just really looking forward to see where we're going the next 10 years, 20 years, and, and just to be a part of this team. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I look forward to, to working with all of you guys. We've got a great team in this college. The college is in a really, really stable, strong state. And, you know, the sky's the limit for what we can accomplish. You know, we've earned the right to dream the biggest dreams, as Dr. Robert said in his installation speech, but really to be recognized among the very best engineering schools. Uh, that's our rightful place. We've earned that right. We need to keep pushing so that we get that accolade. But even then, we're not going to stop just because we get in that, you know, we're going to move the goalpost every time. We're going to move the finish line and set higher goals every time we meet one of them. Love it. Ken, thank you enough for taking the time and uh, congrats on your first day. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Big day. Big uh, especially day. being on a podcast on your first day. Seriously. Doesn't get that bigger doesn't than that. To, yeah, just anyone. Thanks so much, Dr. Eagle. No War Eagle. War Eagle. You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering.